The following is brought to you by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Michael Bolick, Frank Latuka, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Will Harris, and Craig. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for March 10th, 2020. This is your old pal, Justin Robert Young. Man, we've been really hand-to-mouth lately, haven't we? With the inauguration, the election before that, the uh, uh, Capitol riots, everything, right? Everything has been kind of news, 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 news. Thing happens, I talk about it. Things happen, I talk about it. And we just got done with another one with this COVID relief stuff. But I feel that this show can often be at its best when we look to the horizon. When we try to find the trends that haven't yet been fully explored and pick out something that we'll feel proud that we saw early. Now that means we're speculating a little bit. That means some of the things that we point out may or may not happen, but if we can get one or two of them, boy, howdy, will I be very happy. And we're going to try to do that in this episode because this California recall oh it's gotten real Gavin Newsom is going to give his state of the state address and that will undoubtedly be framed whether he wants it to or not as his beginning of a campaign to stay in office we have national voices now starting to chime in about the recall And that is all because the people that have organized this process have said that they passed a very crucial milestone. Meanwhile, we've got our eyes on the Senate in 2022. Crazy story out of Nevada that could leave a blue seat vulnerable. Meanwhile, a disgraced former governor in Missouri may well be on his way to D.C. We take a look back at one of the stories that we covered here on PX3 oh so many months ago to find out what we can learn about the comeback trail for Eric Greitens. And finally, it's tax season. I know I I got my, my, my tax appointment with my guy tomorrow. And... There's no doubt that what we're going to be accounting for is one of the most bizarre years on record for for so many of us. Layoffs, stimulus, unemployment. How do you make sense of it? And how can you take advantage of everything that's happened? We've got Tanza Loudon back from Insider to explain the ins and outs 
of how the government's super active year financially in our lives can play out the best way for you on April 15th. All that. one step closer to seeing their governor removed from office as the petition to recall Gavin Newsom is at 1.9 million signatures, a little more than that. It's extremely likely that this measure will qualify for the ballot. Well, I doubt Gavin has any principles. I'm sorry, but it just has to be said. The official deadline of when signatures need to be turned in in the recall of Gavin Newsom is March 17th. However, it is essentially fait accompli at this point. The amount of signatures needed is 1.495 million. And organizers for the recall Newsom effort say that they have now surpassed 1.999, meaning they're going to be over two. Their goal was over 2 million signatures. And they are going to hit that. So, what does it mean and where are we? And why am I doing this segment now and not on March 17th? Because I've been waiting to do a big let's set up the California recall segment. But I wanted to wait until, in my mind, the campaign really started. And there's been a few signs that I've seen percolating that make it seem to me that our campaign has officially begun. In fact, the reason why I am doing this segment right now is because of a tweet from Bernie Sanders. Of all people, of all people, this I guess it was it's because Bernie Sanders is such an imperfect messenger. Vermont Democratic Socialist wading into the waters of the California recall. He tweeted this on Monday night. Right-wing Republicans in California are trying to recall at Gavin Newsom for the crime of telling people to wear masks and for listening to scientists during COVID. Extremist Republicans have done enough to undermine democracy already. We must all unite to oppose the recall in California. Now, that statement holds weight. He is saying whether or not you are a, a democratic socialist, whether or not you are a, a rank-and-file leftist or a rank-and-file Democrat, that now is the time that we unite to stop extremist Republicans. This is not a cross-party movement, according to Bernie Sanders. This is a partisan drive to remove Gavin Newsom. And we even get some kind of uh, you know, dog whistling to the idea that, that recalling Gavin Newsom is basically the Capitol riot. Although maybe that's just a voter suppression thing. Whatever. Uh, you know, extremist Republicans are doing what extremist Republicans are going to do, according to uh, Bernie Sanders. Now, that to me is a framing 
of an active fight. That's not a poo-pooing of a thing that may or may not happen. No, it seems like Democratic power players believe that Gavin Newsom is in trouble. Now, as we go through this process, we're going to see a lot of polls. We're going to be analyzing Newsom's approval rating. We're going to be hyper-focusing on anything good or bad that happens in California from here. However, the reality is that the only way we can understand what is about to happen And what is about to happen is a special election this fall where the fate of Gavin Newsom will be decided and should he come up wanting, there will be a triple-digit roster of people hoping to take his place. All of that will be decided on one ballot. And the only precedent we have of it is the one time it happened before. In 2003, there were 135 candidates that were looking to take the job of Gray Davis. Of course, the winner there was Arnold Schwarzenegger. The California Democratic Party also put Cruz Bustamante on that ballot, a decision that the California Dems are going to have to make pretty soon. Do you put a safety candidate on the ballot or do you ride with the idea that this is no on recall? No further instructions. No on recall. That's it. It's going to be interesting. Because last time it was sort of looked at as a failure. That they they gave Democrats the option to pencil in somebody else. You know, it creates doubt in somebody's mind. So, let's not focus on Gavin for right now. Let's focus on those that would look to replace him. What do you need to do such a thing? Well... Back in 2003, a California citizen needed only to gather 65 signatures from their own party and pay a non-refundable $3,500 fee to be a candidate. Candidates from recognized third parties were allowed on the ballot with no fee if they could collect 150 signatures from their own party. Now, the ballot then, like it will be this fall, was simple. Question one, should the governor be recalled, yes or no? Gray Davis facing an energy crisis, the fact that he had passed some restrictive gun laws, he lost that one by about 11%. 55.4% of those that voted were in favor of the recall, 446 opposed. Second question is, who will replace them? Arnold Schwarzenegger received a plurality of votes at 48.6. So remember, again, this is a crucial part of this. 
The winner on that second question does not need to get over 50%. They don't even need to beat their closest competition by any kind of margin. They just need the most votes. Schwarzenegger had the most. Lieutenant Governor Cruz Bustamante had 31.5. And then you had other people. Again, 135 people were on that ballot, including Gary Coleman, including porn star Mary Carey. But let's take a look at some raw numbers because that's something that I want to focus on here. How many votes did Arnold get? The answer, 4,206,284. Now, let's come back to the present. Because 2003 might not sound that long ago, but let me just tell you guys things that didn't exist in 2003. YouTube, Facebook, the iPhone, and we're miles away from next-gen social media like Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. So the only question in my head as I was thinking about this last night was who's the next Arnold? All right, so let's imagine where Arnold was in 2003. He had been, uh, uh, you know, certainly past the peak of his prime as an actor. He had just done Terminator 3 which although I think it's an underrated movie, kind of shows you that that he was out of minting new Arnold characters. He was now starting to, to feel the excitement about going back and, and doing old stuff. His star was on the wane, but he's still a massive, massive name. And when all you have at that time in media is television, newspapers, and radio then going on The Tonight Show like he did to announce his candidacy is a major issue. Also, it's pretty much the highest political aspiration he can have since he's not a native-born American citizen. He's a naturalized citizen. So let's look at the requirements. Because that was my first thought, was like, all right, well, let's see how old you need to be to run. And then I'll be able to figure out like, oh, okay, well, it's like an actor or, you know, is it, you know, Dave Rubin? Is it somebody else? Because I I was trying to think of like, okay, well, the new actors, the new movie stars are probably online cults of personality. You have a dialed in political framework that you can run on. They've probably been essentially running a campaign forever if they're based in California against Gavin Newsom. So there's 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 that. But I got to find out how old these people are. So I went and looked it up. To be the governor of California, you need to be 
a registered voter, a resident of the state for at least five years on election day, and an American citizen for at least five years. And that's it. That's the list. There's no age requirement, which means if you need to be a registered voter, then the only age requirement is that you need to be 18. The age that you are when you become a registered voter. This opens up a massive window for any social media influencer, vlogger, IG star who wants to raise their profile. Remember, if we're looking for the Arnold, the person who can actually win, we're also looking for our 2021 Gary Coleman's and Mary Carey's. We're also looking for our people who want to kind of jump their profile up a couple levels. But you guys know me. I'm always looking for the name. I'm always looking for the matchup. You know, I got myself all worked up when I I, I tried to walk myself down the path of an AOC versus Donald Trump Jr. matchup in the Senate in 22. But I got one. I got one name. And fighting out of Los Angeles, California, USA. Active video star, recording star, YouTube sensation, making his professional fighting debut, Logan the Maverick If you have no idea who Logan Paul is, and Michael Buffer's introduction wasn't enough for you, he's a a social media sensation. Started on the now-defunct app Vine, doing little quick sketches, transferred to YouTube, and at the age of 24, he seems to be an ambitious young man getting into acting, getting into music. That clip that we just played was from when he staged a boxing match in the Staples Center. He has the ability to promote himself. The biggest place where he has influence is YouTube. His biggest channel has 22 million followers. Reminder, Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor with Four million votes. And he's not unpolitical in discussing decamping California to uh, Puerto Rico after the pandemic. He had the following quote on his podcast. It's crazy here in California paying taxes. And for what? The streets are not fixed. Homeless people everywhere. A dearth of employment. COVID not handled. I don't love it. Here's another clip from his podcast about recall Gavin Newsom. It's very interesting. Stuff. Gavin Newsom recall. So it's not an impeachment because he's not the president. It's right. called a recall. It's, it's like recall. Is he a broken they, item from the store. Yeah, what, like what are we recalling? Eggs with salmonella. <laughs> Do we bring another guy who has the same set of hair and teeth? And then just be like, all right, guys, this is the new one. Bro, no, there's a, there's a ballot. A ballot? 1.5 million signatures needed. 
to require to require a recall election. They got they, they got, got two it. million already. Out. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I don't even care because I'm leaving the state. We built this brand new set. And, and according to a podcast that just came out, he he is making good on that. He says he's moving to Puerto Rico. Now, of course, he's a party boy. He's gotten in trouble with his neighbors before. He once went to a forest in Japan and filmed a body that had committed suicide. He's a controversial figure, but that has helped build up the fact that he is a very well-known figure. And more specifically, he is well-known in a demographic that he could bring to the table that would not otherwise vote in a recall election. And here's the thing that we have no idea about. What is the turnout for this election going to be? Will it be like most off-year elections and be less than what it normally would be? Or will it be the only big ticket political item of 2021 and therefore drive tremendous media attention and a higher turnout than you would expect. But if somebody like Logan Paul, and by I'm officially calling on Logan Paul. Logan Paul, will you announce that you are indeed running for the governorship of California? Because if you are, and I'm just talking me to Logan. Hey, what's up, Logan? How you doing, man? This could be the perfect moment to do it. Because Gavin Newsom's term that you would be replacing is up in 2022. This is the perfect time that you could run as essentially... A middle finger to business as usual. You could run and then say, "Look, I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna show that the people are fed up. I'm gonna show that uh, uh, you know I talk to these kids that are my fans. I, I'm I I'm the one who reads their comments. I'm the one who reads their emails. I know they're hurting. They're being hurt by this pandemic. They're being hurt by the fact that they can't go get jobs." So I'm going to run as a standard bearer for all that frustration. And then we'll figure out whether or not I'm running again in 2022. And then it's up to you. Because as Arnold will tell you, going up to Sacramento isn't exactly, you know, a place where you get things done. California state government is unwieldy and broken. And anybody who tries to make big changes there winds up falling short. But if there's a frustration that you want to make a loud noise about. If there is a target that you believe would be just out of your grasp until you found the right moment, I'm actually bullish on Logan Paul running in this recall election. I've I've talked myself into it. I've 100% talked myself into it. I don't think that there's anything Anything that with the right perspective, with the right campaign, and I would I would totally lean into this voice of the youth thing because the, the school issue is red hot right now. The issues of working class people 
are are, are red hot right now. And, and guess what? G- guess what working class people watch? YouTube. I'll guarantee you that he has got a, a, a big working class audience. Because it's free. He's free content. I'm talking myself into it. Logan Paul, are you running for governor? Get back from Puerto Rico. All right. Let's take a look at uh, some more plausible races that are coming up in 2022. One of them is in Nevada, where Senator Catherine Cortez Mastro will be running for re-election. She is a Democrat. And by the way, if the Republicans are going to retake the Senate, if Cocaine Mitch is going to reassert his dominance there, they've got to find vulnerable Democrats. Well, one of them might be more vulnerable than they were before. That's because the Nevada Democratic Party has just undergone a revolution. Bernie supporting members of that party have effectively now chased out the Harry Reid machine. What do we mean by the Harry Reid machine? Harry Reid, about a decade ago, put his stamp, then Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, put his stamp on the Nevada Democratic Party. And since then, they have been among the most effective parties in the country. All that time we went talking about the culinary union and and stuff like that. That's because the Harry Reid machine has effectively held a stranglehold over Clark County. That's where the majority of Nevada's population is. If you control Clark County, that's Las Vegas. Then you pretty much control the state. And nobody has been more successful at doing that than Harry Reid. So the Bernie Kratz come in. And what does the Harry Reid machine do? They pull damn near a half million dollars from the coffers and the key members of the party resign. They took their ball and went home. So what does that mean? Well, it's not great news for the sitting Democratic senator. You're probably still going to be able to rely on the Harry Reid machine It'll just be an outside entity. But will it be as effective as being the Nevada Democratic Party? If I were her, I wouldn't like it. The question now becomes, can the Republicans put up anybody that has a shot there? We'll see. Something to watch. Meanwhile, let's flip on over to Missouri, where uh, if you were a member of the PX3 Extra, If you were a member, then you heard us mention hints about this on Friday, and then you heard it confirmed, or sorry, Thursday's episode, and then you heard it confirmed on Monday's episode that Eric Greitens, y'all remember Eric Greitens? You remember Eric Greitens? Eric Greitens was the Missouri senator, sorry, Missouri governor, who was run out of office like a year and a half in because according, well, all right, here, let, let, let's, scandal, scandal happened. We'll, we'll get into the scandal in a second. He had to resign. Eric Greitens has apparently spent the intervening time looking to clear his name and is now dead set on running 
for Roy Blunt's seat in the Senate. Remember, the other Missouri senator is Josh Hawley. Well, Roy Blunt just made it a lot easier to take him out because he took himself out, said he was retiring, didn't want to face a primary challenge, didn't want to run again. And so now the pathway is open. Greitens is very much more from the Hawley vein. So let's go back to that scandal, because obviously the first thing you're going to think of when, when Eric Crichton's name is there, at least I do, is the perfect pull-up and revenge porn and a messy sex scandal. So let's, let's go back and remember what everything was. That story popped because the sitting governor of Missouri was embroiled in the fact that he was sleeping with his hairdresser. That came to light because the hairdresser's husband recorded a conversation between him and his, I'm presuming, ex-wife. And she admitted to him things that had happened between her and Greitens, the hairdresser and Greitens. Among the things that the hairdresser said happened was that he invited her to his house, went to the basement, secured her hands to a pull-up bar by telling her that he was going to show her how to do the perfect pull-up, undressed her, blindfolded her, and took a picture of her naked body without her permission. He said that this would be blackmail. He would put it everywhere if she ever admitted that she slept with him. There was then some sexual activity after that that the hairdresser said was coerced. Everything comes to light, and Greitens... Eventually, while also paired with a very boring political scandal about where an email list came from, he resigns. Now, what you will hear very often whenever Greitens is mentioned, specifically by those who want to see him win that seat, is that all of the charges in both of those cases, were eventually dropped. He was not charged with blackmail. He was not charged in the political crime. The blackmail charge fell apart because no one could prove that there was an actual photo, which I guess you kind of have to have. And so... The hairdresser said that she assumes that he took a photo, but doesn't know for sure. And obviously, Greitens wasn't like, oh, yeah, no, here's this naked photo I took of this lady. So everything was dropped. And now he's on the warpath and he's coming for the Senate. Boy, howdy, would that be a very interesting pair of senators from the show me state. Politics, politics. 
we've got no choice, friends. We've got no choice, whether or not you like it or not. COVID shots are unfortunately going to inevitably result in body shots. If you want my breakdown of how we should be processing and understanding the national wave of reopenings from Texas to Connecticut to Mississippi and even here in California, well, you got to go get the free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. This is not what it was before. If you were previously signed up for it, what you got was a a five-day-a-week news digest. Each day, I would give you a digest of the news. I'm I'm working my 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 columnist muscle now. This is a little bit more long form. It's a far more substantial newsletter that comes out on Sunday afternoon. So it kind of gets you prepared for the week, lays out some stuff I think is, are, are going to happen over the next week, processes on on a more big picture level some of the stuff that has happened. And then on Wednesday, we've got the best feedback because I still believe that I have the best community on the internet. I love your guys' perspective. You get all of that, and it costs you nothing. Free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. I'm working for you guys, baby. I'm trying to give you the stuff you need on a budget. Now, it's on Substack, so if you would like to contribute to it, you can. And periodically, if there's a massive story that I I really just want to write up my notes on, I'm going to get it out to the subscribers first. Or exclusively. But those two emails, they'll always be. Freepoliticalnewsletter.com Our guest today is a correspondent for Business Insider, personal finance correspondent for Business Insider. Let's put some respect on the title. And a certified financial planner, Tanza Loudenbeck. Welcome to the show, Tanza. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, I, I don't know about everybody else in our audience, but uh, uh, money is a is a weird subject for me. I, I've uh, I, I've I've gotten better with dealing with it uh, as I've gotten more of it, which I, I think might be a a, a a common phenomenon. But it's still something that I tend to run from, and nothing, especially as somebody who makes is living as an independent creator is more stressful than tax time. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to have you on if even just to pick your brain for my own personal benefit, but let, let's start here in the year 2021 with filing taxes for what I'm sure is a bizarre year in 2020 for so many is there anything in the law that we need to know about or anything that has changed since we last did this? Uh, I mean, for some, only a couple months ago since the last filing was so late. Oh, there's so much. Um, I just want to go back and, and uh, piggyback off of what you said. You know, the more money you get, the better 
the better you're getting with money. That's actually not the case for a lot of people. So you're in a good position to start. Um, well, let me let me let me let me clarify. I, I may not be doing better with money. I I just can look at it uh, a little bit easier than I could before. <laughs> it's just checking That's checking fair. my bank account is is a uh, of an easier situation when when I know that there is a little bit of money there as opposed to you know much of my twenties and early thirties when there was not. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a ton that's changed this year and we have, you know, the pandemic to thank for that, uh, starting with about a year ago, the CARES Act, um, and, and the, the following 10 months, um, 11 months of legislation that was passed, um, lots of small tax, you know, provisions and rules tucked into all those big, giant, massive trillion dollar relief packages. Um, but there are, you know, there are a couple that, that, uh, people should know about and that are a little more common. Um, but, uh, I mean, first things first, I think the biggest thing that everyone should know is that most people, about 70% of people, the IRS estimates qualified had filed their taxes for free. Uh, so you shouldn't be paying up the wazoo to, uh, to prepare your tax return and file it. Um, there are a lot of free options out there. Yeah, so let's let's start there. And actually, before we get to that, let, let, let me ask this question. This is probably the most pressing one. Last year, we did not file our taxes on time, or although many people filed it before uh, uh, they would they would normally on tax day in April. Uh, the official date that it was due was pushed far back. Do we have any sense that that's going to happen again this year, or, or or that that tax day is going to move at, at any uh, point in the future? You know, yeah, last year, so tax day is April 15th this year. That is, as of now, the deadline, um, which is about, I think, six weeks from now. But last year, it was moved to July 15th. And uh, while it was really, it was great to be able to, you know, have that extra time to file and get all your stuff in order. I know that a lot of the tax experts, the tax preparers and CPAs were having a real heck of a year um, on top of everything that was going on. Um, they are pushing for maybe a deadline postponement this year, but there, you know, there's nothing that's been happening yet. The IRS has been saying, you know, we're on top of it. We've got our ducks in a row. Um, so as of now, the deadline is staying April 15th. Is there any change to the, I mean, I guess the, the, the year is still the year, whether or not we file on April 15th or on July 15th, we're still doing our taxes for a January 1st to December 31st calendar, right? That's right. And um, I should mention that so the the federal tax filing deadline is April 15th. But as of last week, um, the IRS actually extended the deadline for um, all of Texas. So Texas residents that were affected by the winter storms have um, until June 15th to file this year. So there's some there's some wiggle room. Uh, there's at least. some leeway. Yeah. Man, I wonder if that affects me. I'm moving to Texas at the end of the month, so I wonder if 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 I can, <laughs> or no, I guess it would would it be for people who lived in Texas in 2020 or filing Texas uh, uh, returns, or just do you have to live in Texas? I wonder. I wonder how I can bend this to my benefit. <laughs> I'm sure you could figure out a way. Um, it's actually so it's affecting all counties, all residents in Texas. This is actually something that the IRS does regularly, which is. Uh, for victims of federally declared disasters, which the Texas storms were, um, they will sometimes extend tax deadlines throughout the year. 
Um, and then, you know, this one falls on, on the big, on the big day, April 15th. But um, yeah, so if you're a resident during the storms, February, uh, you know, mid to late February, I think that's what qualifies, but gotcha. I would definitely look into it. Yeah. No, it's fine. I'll do I'll, I'll, I'll get, <laughs> I'll get it done. It's probably better for me to, to wrap this up before I move anyway. Uh, yeah. uh, all right. So you mentioned something that I think is very, very important. And that is the idea of paying somebody to file your taxes or sorry, paying anybody, any entity at all, even to quote unquote, file your taxes yourself. Uh, this is something that, that the more I read into it, the more it just infuriates me that a, our taxes are as complicated as they are, but B it, it seems deliberately kept that way. So a, a, a soft monopoly of, 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 uh, do it DIY quote unquote tax repairs and a cottage industry of tax repairing firms like H and R block can continue to maintain their business artificially. You said you should file it for free. Explain that entire system. I don't know if I can explain the entire system, but I can give you the cliff notes. Which yeah. Is give me, that... yeah, just give me the, give me the most galling elements of this fraud. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the bottom line is that it, it's free to file your taxes, to actually file your taxes with the IRS, anyone under any circumstances with any income, no matter the complexities of their financial or tax situation can file their taxes for free with the IRS. Um, it's the preparing of your return that, you know, you're, you're paying for yeah. typically. And that can be, you know, that can be a convenience if you have a complicated tax situation to pay someone to do it or, you know, pay the online software to do it. Um, I think, you know, the IRS partners with a lot of these software companies, TurboTax, um, TaxSlayer being two of them that, you know, people use on their own, they can find by Googling, but the IRS also partners with them. They're, you know, official partners of their free file alliance. So they offer software for free. Um, so not everyone's trying to rip you off, but it is good to be vigil vigilant and, you know, know what you're getting into, know the fees, know exactly what package you need before going into it. Um, and we, you know, we have a lot of this information on uh, business insider. Uh, and so, you know, I think that the biggest thing to note is that you can file, if you can't file for free, then you're going to be paying to prepare a federal tax return and a state tax return if your state taxes income. Yeah. So there are two separate charges there, two, um, two fees. And so what you see as a sticker price might not be the sticker price. Um, you've always got to read the fine print um, and be vigilant about that. A lot of people over the last year uh, obviously either went through unemployment or, you know, we got checks from the government. Maybe they took gig work that they had not done otherwise. Just generally, are, are there any things that people should keep in mind uh, on, on how to prepare and file their taxes if those elements of, of money or lack of money kind of fell in their lap? Absolutely. So, I mean, reporting unemployment income is a big point of stress or just, you know, unemployment compensation in general. Uh, tens of millions of people collected unemployment benefits in 2020, and that is, you know, coming to a head right now. Um, typically, when you collect unemployment benefits, you get them from your state, you have the option to pay taxes in two ways. And that's either through withholdings, which is usually a 10% 
uh, withholding that comes right out of your paycheck or right out of your benefits check right before you see it. Okay. Um, which is the same as a W-2 employee would be paid. Um, the other option is you can pay quarterly taxes um, and, and kind of estimate what you'll owe and pay those throughout the year. Um, unfortunately, all the stress on the state unemployment systems throughout 2020 um, has caused a lot of uh, oversight and issues with all of that. And people are facing some huge tax bills, um, you know, over this tax season. Uh, and that's because unemployment income is taxable at the federal level. Uh, some states, including California, don't tax uh, unemployment income for state taxes. Um, but if you collected unemployment income in 2020, you will get um, and should have already gotten uh, 1099G, which is, you know, a report from your state that also goes to the IRS that reports exactly the amount of money that you collected from unemployment. And you need to use that to fill out your tax return and report that exact number on your tax return. And, you know, the IRS will calculate how much you owe um, based on that figure. Um, you know, there is some, there's been rampant fraud uh, in 2020 with, with all this unemployment compensation, people filing fraudulent claims and collecting um, ridiculous amounts of unemployment it, it, on it, other was people. Was this, was this the big story in California where it was like $30 billion? Yes. And, and, and growing, it's pretty bonkers to look at. Um, yeah. yeah can, I mean, can you, can getting... you, can you, can you spell out that, that story a little bit? Because it, it kind of went under the radar, but it's a number that when I looked it up is equivalent to the gross national product of Macedonia. Oh, wow. <laughs> what a comparison. I mean, as of January, um, in California alone, an audit showed that, um, the state's unemployment agency did stop $12.8 billion in bogus payments from going to, you know, would-be fraudsters, but it also paid out an estimated 10.4 billion payments to fraudsters, um, you know, which is people filing a claim under someone else's name, using their address and, and putting their bank account on the claim and getting the money directly to themselves. So that, so, so, so the final, total was somewhere between what 20 billion or something like that or, or 10 billion so around 10.4 billion as of an audit that was released in january um but as you know you know that was for 2020 unemployment benefits are still being paid out right now at a ridiculously high number and so i'm sure that figure will grow um when you include this this calendar year in it okay. um so the issue with this, though, is... Then, then, by, then, by the way, let me just make it clear then. I want to apologize to North Macedonia with a GNP of <laughs> $34.98 billion, but that does certainly put us in the range of Montenegro, who has a $14.48 billion GNP. So, so, so we're still in the... We're, we're, in, we're in the neighborhood here. Yeah, I mean, truly astronomical numbers. Um, so, so, yeah, the... Anyone who collected unemployment benefits in 2020 will get the 1099G, which will have exactly how much they collected, how much they're supposed to be reporting on their tax return um, to be included in their gross income. The issue with this, this fraud is that um, people who didn't collect unemployment benefits are getting these 1099G forms saying that they did um and oh is that is that how they did it is people pulled because this is this is a massive scam where it's easier than it should be to get somebody's tax return and that leaves them open for fraud so they were just asking for 
unemployment based on people who weren't asking for unemployment tax returns? That's right. I mean, that's some of it. There's some other other, you know, tricky strategies in there, but that's one of the big ones. One of the most common ones is, um, you know, multiple claims filed for a single address. And I mean, even if if someone did collect unemployment benefits for a period of time in 2020 and a fraudster came along and swooped in there and and started collecting the benefits after, you know, the rightful per the rightful owner um, got a job or whatever it was yeah. um, and wasn't collecting benefits anymore. Yeah. And so, but it's all going to be under the same name. And so when you get that an address, and so when you get that 1099 G, anyone who, who um, collected unemployment benefits needs to make sure that that figure is correct. And you should only report what you truly did collect um, on your federal tax return. And uh, if you, you know, you see something wrong, you see an amount that you did not collect, um, reach out to your state agency and request a corrected form as soon as you can. Yeah, that's 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 a it's got to be a shock to some people that that all of a sudden they just they just get this thing that like, oh, yeah, by the way, and here's here's what you owe on on the twenty thousand dollars that you got over the last year. Uh, Right. And there's a lot of fraud in in typical years. But of course, we had, you know, the bonus payouts from the CARES Act and everything. Yeah, got the extra six hundred dollars a week and down to three hundred dollars a week later in the year. And it's just it's a big mess. So (laughs) let me. Let me, let me let me ask you this uh, in general. And this is a dumb question and you might not have an answer, but I just kind of feel like it, it is it is a, a relatable question. If the state is giving you money, be it the federal government or some subsidy from your, your state office, how can they not figure out what they need to get back in return before it even hits your bank account? Like, like how is this not pre-removed? Yeah, I mean. Your guess is as good as mine. We don't know, is I guess is the answer, right? We like, don't this know. Is, yeah. yeah. It's we one of know. life's great mysteries that that it's it's another element on our shoulders, which I think that that's the reason why people are so terrified to do their own taxes, because there is this Byzantine element to it, right? Like, right. like, a, you, like you want to pay a, a professional to guide you through this thicket of bramble. Exactly. And it's kind of like, you know, there's this meme going around that kind of resurfaces every tax season, which is like, um, you know, the IRS is ordering you to let it know how much you owe in taxes, even though it really knows. And if you don't give it the right and give the IRS the right answer, they'll come after you for the balance. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of it's this weird back and forth, um, you know, circular thing that I mean, I, hopefully we'll get figured out one day, but who knows? <laughs> I've always kind of thought that tax reform is always going to be DOA politically because nobody likes to think about it. Like everything else that winds up getting political traction up to and including, let's say something like, like $15 minimum wage, which is a point of emphasis today when we are recording this on uh, Friday the 5th. That's something that, that is a a happy thought, or at least a visceral thought like, Oh my God, I'm so excited that, Somebody's gonna make more money. That that's that that's got a narrative to it. Nobody really likes thinking about their taxes unless it's primarily W two people that are thinking about that they get you know a thousand dollars at some point during the year that they can go buy a TV with, and at that point they don't want to change it. Is is there any point where politically you think there there can be some pathway? to tax reform to, to make this easier or, or at least more user-friendly? 
You know, I don't think that um, everyone's going to be happy with what what an outcome is at any point. I think there's no way to make both sides happy, all sides happy. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, some of the big commercial software, H&R Block, TurboTax, they've had a pretty nasty reputation in the past. Um, And a lot of, you know, a lot of people say one way to to get rid of that you know, commercialization of doing your taxes and getting pay, paying fees and doing all this stuff and making it a whole process is just to have the IRS directly, you know, make a platform where everyone can access it for free. And yeah. that's how you do it. But to, there's, to, a, you to, know, to, there's to, multi-billion. To, yeah. You know, federalize H&R Block and TurboTax. Right. But there's, you know, there's a multi-billion dollar industry around filing your taxes. Um, and that's just not even considering independent tax preparers and tax advisors and tax planners. Um, That's just the online software. So um, yeah, it's a behemoth. And I sure hope that one day we can get on, um, you know, even ground where we can get everyone happy with what's going on. But it's, you know, it's the old, the old maxim that's nothing is certain in life, but death and taxes. And so I think that's what kind of gives it the negative connotation. It's like, got to pay your taxes. There's nothing fun about it. Yeah. And both are frightening, confusing, and terrifying, which is uh, another <laughs> addendum to that. Uh, is there another like country or industry that you think does it right? That has a, a, a you know a, a simpler pathway between you paying into the the the, the government's coffers. Um, I would love to give you an answer to that, but I don't know. I mean, the American tax system is difficult enough for me to navigate as yeah. a reporter who doesn't have a tax background. Um, necessarily. And so, um, you know, I'm not sure. And then of course we look to other countries for a lot of systems that we, that we think are, are better. And you propose it here and it's like, but we have this and there's always some sort of like, but that won't work here for X, Y, and Z reasons. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I wouldn't imagine that there is, I, I would imagine that this is a vexing problem no matter what. And unless you go into a more, kind of authoritarian situation where the government is, is taking more care of, of, of things than it would be a hard way to do it. But all right, well here, let's, let, let, let's get, get out of the speculative and, and more into the, the, the real, is, is there, is there anything specifically uh, uh, for people preparing their taxes this year that they need to be on the lookout for any, any, loopholes or, or, or new programs or anything that uh, uh, somebody who's who's preparing their stuff now needs to think about? I would say one of the biggest, uh, the biggest things is claiming a missing stimulus check. So we're hopefully about to get a third round of stimulus checks, but that'll be included in, you know, 2021 taxes. So let's not worry about that for now. But yeah. the first stimulus check that was paid out, um, you know, between March, April, May, and the second one, which started going out in December, in late December and into January, um, those, you know, if you didn't get those payments and you were supposed to, or you, you know, you got less than you were supposed to, you can recoup that money on your tax return. So when you file your tax return for your 2020 tax return, there will be a recovery rebate credit section. Um, and you just need to report how much you got from the stimulus check the previous stimulus check rounds, even if it's zero dollars, um, or if it's less than the maximum amount, record you know report that on there. And if you're using tax software, it'll just calculate how much you're owed. Um, a tax preparer will do that for you as well. And uh, 
any amount that you're still owed will be just added to your to your refund if you don't have a tax bill. So that second round of checks that was negotiated through the end of the year and then bled into the the the, the beginning of 2021, when is that counted on your taxes? Is it when they issued the check or when you received the checks? I, I don't imagine many people received it until 2021, right? Right. So that's going to be based on um, when the legislation was enacted. So those are both going to be included in 2020 taxes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And so the other part of this too is just as a reminder, because this is one of the biggest misconceptions about stimulus checks is that it is non-taxable. You are reporting it on your tax return just to reclaim any money that you are owed that you didn't get um, when the initial payments went out. So this money is not taxable. It won't be included in your gross income. If you got, if you actually ended up getting more than you should have, you don't have to repay it. It's yours to keep. Well, bank error in your favor. <laughs> uh, well, that's 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 good to know because I do know that that was that was a big uh, talking point. Was like, oh, okay, well, they're going to give us twelve hundred, but they're they're going to ask for three hundred back, or it's basically just a a loan on your tax payment going forward, or or your tax refund going forward. That that's not the case. This is free and clear money that you have in your pocket free and clear money no strings attached and um i mean you might you might even be eligible for more so in the case of you know someone having a baby in 2020 but they got their stimulus checks um after you know filing their 2019 tax return um so they got an amount for for two people for a couple married filing jointly, they would have gotten 2,400 in the first round of stimulus checks. Yeah. Um, and then say they had a baby six months later, they filed their 2020 tax return, report that baby on the tax return. They might be eligible for that additional child's dependent payment um, because the, the payments are ultimately based on 2020 income. So, you know, um, you, you can qualify for more money. Oh, well, that's, that's good to know. I mean, I think a lot of people, I, I know, Certainly, at least in my personal circle, there were a lot of people having kids during the pandemic. So uh, maybe that's an extra $500 in your pocket. Uh, uh, let, let's swing to the business side. Uh, obviously, the PPP loans were something that were uh, a, a big part of our pandemic uh, addled 2020. Um, what are the tax ramifications of those? Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure, and I don't want to give you any incorrect answers because sure. I focus like on on the individual just individual taxes. Side. Okay, individual okay, taxes. Okay. That's right. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of information out there. I mean, Business Insider is great. We've got a whole library of information. Um, we I, we have a tax review board this year. Um, five tax experts are reviewing all of our coverage to make sure it's clear and accurate. Um, we, you know, with all the changes with all the stimulus legislation, there is so much stuff that to overlook that um, it's it's best to double check everything if you can this year. That's no, I think. And and I, I will say personally, as somebody who, you know, not only as an independent creator, you got to make sure that you are, are pushing your write offs as much as you can within the law, uh, uh, but also what I was always told is that it's not a matter of if you're getting audited, it's when you get audited as, as an independent <laughs> creator. So, you know, I, I do go with somebody who is 
looking over and dotting my I's and crossing my T's because it is kind of a high wire act. And I could only imagine, I mean, and I have, you know, literally the most bare bones business in that it's just me. Uh, uh, I can only imagine if you have a, a larger business that you're definitely going to be paying somebody or, or having somebody look stuff over. But this is a good, a good reminder to, to press whoever is working on your taxes to, uh, Make sure they check that out. All right, then from from the individual side, then again, uh, is there is there anything that people should be on the lookout with everything that went on over the last year? Yeah, so, you know, I think living in a different state, a lot of people did that. A lot of people, you know, ditched their, their city living and went home to live with their parents or, um, you know, shack up with friends or, you know, just worked from from a different state or a different city remotely during the pandemic. Um, and this could cause a tax issue. Uh, so generally your state of domicile, which is where you officially live can tax all of your income. But if you spend enough time or earn a certain amount of money in another state during the year, that second state may also be able to tax your income. Oh. Um, luckily, yeah. All of luckily, it or just the, the stuff that you were, that you made while you were there. Um, I believe it's the portion you've made there, but, you know, luckily during the pandemic, a handful of states, um, at least a dozen that I know of, have, uh, you know, put rules in place, put temporary rules in place to waive those taxes because of, you know, the unique circumstances of 2020. Yeah. Um, but it's always good to check with a tax advisor. Um, this tax, you know, the tax software is really good about asking questions about where you lived and, um, you know, when you input your income, you've got to put all that information in. Um, so they're really good about asking questions. Uh, a lot of the tax software, ta TurboTax, H&R Block, um, you can upgrade and work directly with a tax advisor one-on-one um, -on -one or have someone review your return uh, to look for those specific issues um, and make sure you didn't miss anything. Um, but yeah, so I mean, a, potentially a lot of people experienced this during you know early COVID lockdowns. So, um, I would say it'd be smart to consult a tax advisor in those situations. That's another good one. Another good one. I hope every, I, I hope people are uh, uh, taking notes. I hope people are are, are are figuring this out because I think this is all very, very good information and we are very, very, very lucky to have it. Thanks to Tanza Loudenbach. Uh, she is working with Insider as a financial reporter. Uh, is there is there a, a good place that people can follow your work? Um, I will just plug businessinsider.com and, uh, my Twitter is, um, at not so tan underscore Z A. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Thanks. Uh, well, 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 thank you so much, uh, for, for, for joining us. I know you've brought a little bit of peace of mind to what is a stressful, stressful time of the year. And we greatly appreciate it. I sure hope so. Thanks, Justin. And that'll wrap it up for us today. I would like to thank our guest, Tanza Loudenbeck. And I'm glad that you gave her Twitter at the end because that's a really confusing Twitter to hear via audio. And I've said over the last few weeks that the way that you can best support this show for free is by supporting the guests who take their time out of their day to be on it. They are, are gifting us with their expertise, with a portion of their workday 
to bring you free content. And the best we, the best thing we can do is if you like what they had to say, you enjoyed the conversation, then to let them know. But of course, sometimes, and this is something we've heard from people, it's hard for me to read a Twitter name and sometimes you're in the car and you can't write it down. It's a thing. So I've solved it. px3guest.com. We will update that each episode. It will always point to the most recent guest. But if you want to thank the most recent guest that's been on Politics, 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 you only need to go to px3guest.com. And as of now, it points to Tanz's Twitter. So go ahead and check that out. If you'd like to email the show, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our Twitter is px3tweets. Our Twitch, our live Twitch stream is px3live.com. Our newsletter is free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Our podcast is the px3podcast.com. It's just px3podcast. It's not the px3podcast.com. Of course, there's a lot of ways that you can support us. Uh, first things first, telling a friend about the show also is a tremendous help, uh, especially now. You know, we're in the valley. We're in the valley right now. Uh, we, we just came out of the mountains. The the scintillating highs, the thin air of a every four years election and the kind of year that builds up to it. But we're in the valley. We're in the valley. So now's the time where if we are doing Good work. Boy, does it help if you guys spread the word on this, if you guys turn on your friends. And and hopefully I can kind of give you the show that isn't the kind of political content that people got burnt out on, if that makes sense. Meanwhile, you can uh, uh, also help us directly. PayPal.me slash payjury. We have our cash app. That is PX3 cash. Uh, my favorite thing, and I don't know why it's Venmo specific. It doesn't have to be Venmo specific. But when people send me a dollar on Venmo, boy, does it just make me. It makes me so happy. I just love it. Uh, uh, go ahead and a uh, big shout out to, to Brad. Brad. Bradford. Sent me a dollar. Said, thank you for the bracket. By the way, we're going to update our bracket on Friday. Thank you also to Ian Johnson and uh, Michelle Adams who sent us uh, money there on Venmo. You can do that, Justin-Young-20. You can also send us whatever you'd like in our P.O. Box, P.O. Box 10853, Oakland, California, 94610. If you'd like bonus content, a custom RSS feed that's only yours. You never have to sign into. Once you put it into the podcast catcher of your choice, gives you two bonus podcasts a week. And these ain't skimpy. These ain't skimpy. They're not running skimpy. No, no, no. They are basically everything that was in a normal show except for the interviews. And sometimes I cold call Andrew Heaton because uh, I want to bother him. You can go do that at our Patreon TakePoliticsSeriously.com. It's there that you can also sign up to be a part of our donor club or 
our Titanic $10 tier where you get your name read at the end of the show, which is what this is, including Headphones, Neil, Dr. G, the other half of Whiskey Wednesday, Idris, the Government Unfiltered Podcast, 100 Mile Runner, Berkeley Steven, Kathy Mag, Zombie Doc, D, really? Methuselah, Honeythuckle. The Gen, Middle Age Mike, Cujo.com, Junkie Calamity Zap, D Laser, and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Cujo, Utah, Jimmy Montana, Appraisers are awesome. Snuffies on Route 44. Charles Sutherland, Archie, David, Olin and Angela, DL, Miranda Janelle, Jenny, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious, nonpartisan listeners, Brad with two D's. Richard, just another pilot, Frozen Summers, J-Pink, and Andrew. Again, if you want to join their ranks, you can do so at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. And that's it. That's that. Friday's episode. You want to know what? Normally, I'm able to pin down exactly what we're gonna do on Friday. But I got a couple interviews that are recording before that, and we're gonna decide which one is uh, uh, best. But we're either gonna get a contemplative look at how to qualify where we are in the COVID crisis, or we're going to get a deeper dive into why Polls consistently now have undercounted Republican support. Both are are great. I'm very excited for both, but uh, we will see that. And then also uh, Brian Brushwood will join us yet again to update our amendments bracket. Very excited. Till then, is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying... Some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more talk about politics. But this is the only show that dares talk about Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.